Earlier this year, I had the great privilege of attending an event hosted by the MedTech Actuator. The event was in Sydney at EY, and it was titled The Morning with Women in Health Entrepreneurship. And this is such an important topic. And it's important that the key messages that were discussed that morning at the event live can actually get out to a few more people like yourself who might not have been able to attend on the day, but can listen to this podcast. So I took my microphone with me and I sat down with a few of the speakers on the day to put together this episode for you, which gives you a good sense about the topics that were spoken about at the event, some of the key challenges that women entrepreneurs face, particularly in healthcare. And you're going to hear from some of those that are setting the example, making it happen to hopefully inspire more women entrepreneurs to take that wild journey into healthcare, but also to inspire other leaders and men working in healthcare to support women entrepreneurs, to give the best chance of having a meaningful impact. So you're going to hear some of those conversations in this episode in a second. But if you didn't know, the MedTech Actuator helps accelerate and fund MedTech, HealthTech and Biotech companies in Australia. They've got a number of different programs to help organisations that are at different stages. One of their programs is coming up and it's the early stage pre-accelerator called Origin. So whether you're a researcher or a scientist or a clinician or a student, MedTech Actuator Origin is going to help you transform your idea into an early stage startup. So if you go through the process and you're a qualifying team, you're going to join MedTech Actuator in Melbourne for an intensive sprint where over three days you're going to learn from industry experts and pressure test your innovations, network with others to get exposure to the startup ecosystem and, and health innovation. And then you get to pitch for an opportunity to get some cash prizes out of the process as well. The winner from the MedTech Actuator Origin program gets a share of $10,000 in prize money and a share of over $5,000 worth of in-kind support. And you also get access to, to fast track your entry into the next step, the MedTech Actuator Accelerator 2023. So applications for MedTech Actuator Origin are open until the 7th of October, 2022. So check out medtechactuator.com for more information and to apply. And the direct link to the origin page on the MedTech Actuator website is in the show notes of this episode as well. But right now, this episode's focused on women entrepreneurs in healthcare. Let's go. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. So here we go. The conversations I had at an event hosted by MedTech Actuator called Morning with Women in Health Entrepreneurship in Sydney on the 2nd of June. You're going to hear those conversations back to back and each speaker gives a little bit of an introduction about themselves and where they're from. Well, let's do it. My name's Nicole Sloggett. I'm a partner at Minter Ellison, working in the corporate and capital markets team and help a lot of startup companies in order to raise capital and put into place their objectives and strategies. Amazing. And so we're at this event talking about women entrepreneurship in healthcare. You were just on a panel with some amazing people as well. Tell us about what, what went on there. So I was basically talking about the challenges and struggles that women face in having their voices heard in the industry and being able to access capital and being able to access money in order to further their objectives and their plans and their products. And just talking about the importance of having great networks and supporting each other as women and being able to leverage the contacts we have as women 
and share them and help other people achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I took some great insights out of that session. There was one point in particular that you raised as well, which is about prioritizing life and family through all of that. It's as a, as a women entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur at all, but particularly for women entrepreneurs, it can be difficult to put those priorities ahead of others. Talk to me a bit more about what you're thinking there. Yeah, absolutely. It was something that I really struggled with. Obviously, when you start out as a female in law, you, you want to achieve the top and you work hard mm. for that and it becomes your absolute sole focus. And I sort of did that for a few years and well, probably a number of years actually, and sort of realized that I was literally living, breathing work, you know, 24 seven. And as I got to the end of that period, I started to realize that the friends that I'd had when I'd started had fallen away a bit. Mm. And so they would put pressure on my family and marriage and people were just sort of saying, we don't see you. You look so tired all the time. And it was at that point I realized in order to give the best to my work, I also needed to give the best to myself and take that time out and to have that time with friends because it rejuvenated me. It gave me the extra perspective and it allowed me to bring a fresh perspective into the office every day. And I wasn't as tired and I was a bit more invigorated about what I had to do. Mm. So yeah, just balancing priorities between work, mental health, physical health, and just having that life outside of work can actually make work a lot better and you bring a better part of yourself to work. Yeah. It can be, it can be, Easy to say, but so easy to forget as well. So it's uh, important to bring front of mind. So that's that's really important. And and lastly, then any advice for those that might be considering going a path down entrepreneurship, whether it's in healthcare or at all, or even just navigating the trials and tribulations of employment uh, and looking to kind of continue to pave their career for, for women out there looking for that guidance? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say if you have an idea, believe in yourself and never let other people take that belief away from you. Never be afraid to fail. Failures always lead to learnings for new opportunities. And just back yourself would be my advice. My name is Belinda Cheng. I'm a director at EY. So officially I'm known as the Asia Pacific Tax Innovation Hub leader and I also am the EY Foundry leader. So when it comes to the EY Foundry, it's a startup incubator that EY runs specifically for startups that have a nice direct linkage to the world of professional services. So anything from reg tech, people and wellness, sustainability, how we might be more efficient as a business. So we're looking really at sort of how machine learning, AI and OCR can really help us be better. Yeah. But anything around that that can really help try and, you know, create some value for our clients and also for our people. People and wellness is certainly something that we are looking at. Mm. So we have a people advisory services team. So really looking at how they can help our clients that might have workplaces across different countries. Health and wellbeing is becoming such an interesting topic around trying to, yeah. you know, around employee engagement, really around trying to make sure that you can create sustainable and resilient workforces. So seeing where we might be able to play in that space. That's good because there was a lot of, in, in the panel session that you were just in, I'll get you to talk a bit more about that, but a lot of those lessons and kind of reflections that you brought on resonated a lot I found with the participants here at the session. Talk us a, a bit about that panel that you've just done and what you took from that. Yeah, look, I think what I really have learned in my career, the question was, you know, what would what would you tell your younger self, right? And yeah. I think for me, having been at EY now for, for close to 16 years and working for over 20, you know, what could I have told myself at the age of 20 or 21? And mm. I think for me, it was really important for me not to just assume that the meritocracy is going to reward you, right? Yes. You know, I think there's this tendency, particularly if you come from a culturally diverse background or where you come, you've grown up in an environment where you're told not to big note yourself, just stay humble, don't stick your head out, just keep 
your head down. This tendency of thinking, well, you know what, if I just continue to beaver away, work hard as I can, hopefully someone will recognise me. Hopefully yeah. I'll get that tap on the shoulder, that golden handshake and go, wow, you've done a fantastic job. Good for you. Mm-hmm. But I think what you've really got to learn when you when you are entering the workforce or even as you're starting to approach mid-manager, right, is to actually not be scared about promoting yourself, right? So I got some really great advice from a former Sydney office managing partner here at EY called Lynn Krauss. And she said, you are the CEO of your career. So you've really got to drive that. So you've got to be your own internal spokesperson, your own social media manager. You've got to be someone that's actually going to be proud about opening up and sharing what you're doing. And for me, I found that really difficult because talking about myself is one of my least favorite things to do. So I think one of the things that you can do to help address that is see if you can identify sponsors. So people who can speak on your behalf, right? Especially when you're not in the room and there's lots of really big strategic discussions taking place, making sure that they can advocate for you when you're not in the room, on the golf course, in the boardroom, in a, in, a, in a senior leadership meeting. And I think that can help absolutely amplify your impact. And I think as that starts to happen, you start going, okay, people are talking about me. I'm getting opportunities. Maybe I ain't so bad after all. I think that instills some natural confidence for you to also then go, actually, I am going to be proudly opening up about my achievements and talking about what I can do. So I think for me, having that lived experience, you know, being told not to stick your head out, just hope that someone is going to, you know, observe you, that just does not work. We work in a time poor society. We need to be more confident about being able to, you know, talk about our successes. And I think as women, that's again, something that we've got to break through, you know. And that's such good advice because so often you hear people who've got some lived experience will say, well... I wish I just backed myself and it's easy to say, but you know, you remember back to that point in time, you're like, well, you don't have the credibility or the runs on the board or that network to be able to then give you that confidence to just have a crack or do something or just put yourself out there. But that missing element sometimes is like you say, the sponsorship side, which is that those advocates that will give you that authenticity where you might already have the capability, but it gives that reassurance to others that might need to hear it from someone else in their own network. So yeah, that's, that's really important advice. Was there any other key takeaways or things that you took from that session? I think from the other panellists, hearing about sort of taking risks, especially when you're younger, because I think sometimes it feels like the point of no return. And without a doubt, I think you can always recover. You can always, to use that often startup phrase that's been bandied about, you can always pivot, you can always learn from that. And I think, you know, when you're young and you do feel like the weight of the responsibility is on your shoulders around making, you know, certain what you might think are career defining moments Mm. or limiting moments, really trying to sort of take some freedom from that, taking that away. Because I think the thing is, even if you have taken a wrong twist or turn, you'll recover, you'll learn. It'll actually add to the the beautiful song lines of your life, you know? So I think for me, that's also been a great learning as well. And it was great to hear that from the fellow panellists. So hi, I'm Etta from Lactimo. So Lactimo is a product for breastfeeding, which basically supports and promotes breastfeeding. The statistics are just so disappointing for breastfeeding. 92% of mums um, experience common breastfeeding problems. No country in the world meets the recommended standards for breastfeeding, according to the World Health Organization and UNICEF. I went into that journey blind. I just assumed that breastfeeding would be easy because it's natural, right? But yeah, I, I really struggled and I felt like such a failure right at the start of 
I suppose, like a really vulnerable motherhood mm. journey. So I knew that basically that wasn't good enough and that I realized that essentially what would help me actually had the ability to help a lot of a lot of mums in that space. So Lactmo combines temperature, movement and compression in breast massage. And those three key elements have the ability to address all of the common breastfeeding problems that mothers experience there. So, so it's a little device, right? That's yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a really simple product and basically facilitates breast massage and lactation. Yeah. So Super cool. And so what brings you to this event today? You'll be in a panel discussion, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Talking in a panel with a focus on a few things, talking about brand, talking about the juggle of family and career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so really relevant to me, to Lactimo. And it's great to be here. So tell, this concept of brand, tell us a bit more about what that's going to be. Unpack that a little bit for me. Yeah. So I think brand is essentially your voice and it's your relationship with your customers. That's less important, I think, for some brands, for some products. But I think that in particular for Lactimo, brand is, is really critical there. It's about fostering that relationship. It's not just a product. It's about really speaking to your customer, having a relationship with them. You know, as I said, motherhood is is a vulnerable journey. It's a vulnerable point in, in women's lives there. And so it's about offering that sort of support network and being a community, not just being a, a product and fostering that and being part of that journey, which I think is really important, in particular in the women's health space as well. And I think there's a growing trend towards mothers realizing that and and being part of that sort of village, finding their village basically in that process there. So all about support and I suppose, yeah, giving mums the best success together with the best experience in that journey. There's something really powerful in that too, I, I think of when you say that, because when you hear of being purely product-led and using the fanciest technology and it's going to solve all these problems, but it's very much focused on features and benefits of a, of a solution as opposed to the problems it solves. When taking a community-led approach, it's almost, and the, the brand and focusing on the brand, it's really bringing you back to those core problems of those people that's going to be benefiting from the most. That's that's what I hear from what you're saying there. And, and even if there are gaps and kind of things to be worked on in the product, if you've got that buy-in from the community that support you, that'll kind of bridge that gap a lot of the time. Definitely. And then you're also talking about family as well and balancing that. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, the juggle of family. So yeah, I've got four young kids. So so yeah, I'm not going to lie, there's there's a juggle in that space. But I think what it comes back to, certainly for me, is is passion. Whatever you do, if you've got passion, no matter what else is on your plate, you'll make it work. And so that passion um, determination and grit will get you there no matter what, whether that's sometimes working 24-7 or whether it's then putting all tools down because you've got a kid at home with earache or whatever it is. Uh, so it's it's taking the flexibility where you can, but but at the same time, I think it really comes down to that that passion. But in hand with that as well, I think it's it's about being kind to yourself and it's about being honest, knowing what your weaknesses are, fostering those, finding your community and working with that first. So, yes, I think those two things are the two most important things with me there. I'm, I'm really lucky I've got a supportive family and a supportive community, whether it's friends or even in the startup space there as well. So definitely, you know, finding your community and making sure that that's fostered there. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, 
whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. I am Alice Williams and I'm from Avira or Sydney. I don't know which one you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Avira. Yeah, no, nice. Yeah. Uh, and tell us about Avira. What is it? Avira is a women's health brand, um, a global women's health brand. And our first product is a device for period pain. Amazing. And so this is available now for people to use, to people access it online? How do people access it? Yes, they do access it online. So we have um, multiple stores. Our primary markets is Australia, the UK, Canada, um, most recently wider Europe. And I also forgot New Zealand. Sorry, New Zealand. They always get lugged <laughs> into Australia anyway. Yeah, so that's like, I, I should stop picking on New Zealand like that. They're going to find me. But um, so you were on stage speaking about a few different things. One, but before I get you to talk about that, but like one thing when you're talking about your, your product just then was that I think it's amazing how you've, you know, built the brand and built this community around what you do in, in this healthcare space coming from your own background when a lot of people might be intimidated in coming into the space when they might not have necessarily necessarily a, whether it's a clinical background or background in STEM, but you've, you know, really identified a, a problem to be solved and just gone all in and done it. So, or um, background working at McKinsey, yeah, 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 <laughs> like every founder. No, yeah, yeah. So I don't have any of that. Um, and at first I guess stepping into the space, cause I think, oh, well, I think globally as well, but especially in Australia, there is a lot of virtue signaling. Mm. Um, and it was interesting. I was actually talking to two founders the other day and he said, it's amazing. As soon as VCs see our deck or investors and they see where we used to work, suddenly their eyes light up and they're interested. And mm. it's like that one thing, they've scrolled through the whole deck and they're like, oh, X Uber will say, and it's like, boom, we're interested. So I think like it definitely is a thing and it can intimidate you, but like none of that matters. Ultimately, what matters is that you execute like an absolute maniac when you actually have a product that's solving a real problem. Yeah. And so you're on the stage uh, in a bit of a fireside chat today. Tell us a bit about the, the points that came across. Yeah. So I think I just obviously spoke through my journey. Everyone's always super interested because I'm, I guess, unique founder. I'm solo. I'm a female founder. I don't have, I've never had a like proper full-time job. I don't have a background in like med tech or anything like that. So um, I think one of the things I spoke about was to kind of get over it, the fact that you are that, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because no one gives a shit. 
No one's going to hold your hand. No one's going to say like, oh, it's okay when you're terrified. None of your mentors, investors, team members just get used to being completely on your own Mm. and everything else is a bonus. So I think like that was a big talking point. I spoke a bit about growth and like community, social media. Yeah. One point that I thought that was really interesting and resonated with me too was that your approach to bringing on team members and there's not too much focus on experience and qualifications. Tell me about your your thought process there. Yeah, maybe I'm looking for like little Alice's out in the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that need a chance. <laughs> you bring similar, yeah, yeah, similar like, people, yeah. <laughs> trying to hold their hand. Um, <laughs> no, it actually, at first, like we did hire, I guess, a lot of the flashy CVs or flashy LinkedIn profiles that everyone typically goes for, you know, the ex-Ubers or like yeah, we were yeah. talking about before. However, we realised that some of those things can actually work against you. And this is because like, I mean, this is what's specific for me and my company, but we are extremely focused on growth and marketing. And that space is just changing all the time. Like someone who was a performance marketer and hasn't worked in three to six months, well, they kind of don't have any profession because Mm. the, the platforms and the space is moving so quickly. And I think like overall, we're at the kind of like hockey stick, like Web3 is such a big thing at the moment. But what happens in the next 12 months when people buy, they're not even on a website. They're buying through the platforms, like Mm. websites are redundant. So I'm more happy to hire someone who's extremely adaptable. They have to be very smart. They have to really want to work at Avira specifically, and they have to be like a good human. And really, like, that's all that matters. (laughs) Mm. Bring it back to being a good human. It uh, comes up so often. But then... Also, lastly, thinking about for uh, founders, particularly female founders who might be at an early stage of growth, looking to to scale the business, looking at funding. I know this topic came up a little bit in the discussion today. Any advice for them? Yes. (laughs) Do not raise VC funding. (laughs) Um, I think like it's definitely apparent for a select few businesses. And this isn't just relevant for female founders. It's for any single founder out there Mm. is that VC funding is romanticized a lot in Australia. And so the goalpost at the moment when you go to start a company or or (laughs) When you're at the ideation phase, like you think that your next step is to go and raise VC funding, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of the time that can work against you. And also uh, only a a very select few businesses actually need VC funding. We spoke about this. It's really for like deep tech companies, driverless cars, rocket ships, or companies that are doing like a land grab. Shout out to Milk Run. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Anna Grosholsky. I'm the Director of Commercialisation and Innovation at Macquarie University. I started as a material scientist and then fell into the dark side of intellectual property and commercialisation because I needed to. I worked in industry. I needed to know if we were potentially stepping on someone's toes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I needed to know about patent landscapes and the patent world. Someone left that patent kind of in-house kind of job Mm -hmm. and then I was tapped on the shoulder and asked to join the in-house team. And I thought, no, I like being a scientist. But then I thought, hang on, they're asking me a second time. If I don't accept this, I'm going to get all the crappy jobs. I'm never going to get a pay rise. So I decided to say yes. And I've now forged a career in commercialization. I love those stories where people take a profession or take a a path and then take an opportunity and then it goes from there. And I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. (laughs) I'm one of those people.
So I'm always continually learning and I don't know if you look at, I was embarrassed when people earlier in the, in this seminar yeah. were running through my, my credentials because it just goes on and on, but you know, <laughs> it's, I'm a, just a continual learner. Yeah. I didn't even tell you before we recorded, I'm, a, I'm MGSM alumni. So that's something from the Macquarie Uni point of view. It's, that's it's, good. It's, that's it's, good. It's separate. Yeah. Well, and now I'm, I just did some economics, behavioral economics. Okay. So now I'm kind of in the, how do you nudge for good? Cause yeah. it's all part of this as well. Well, that ties in. So you were on a panel today about forging a career in in this space. Tell us a bit more about the panel that you just took part in. Yeah. So the panel that I was on was more for startups. So I'm a service provider. I'm the technology transfer office at a university. So mm. I help people get their ideas out and turn them into reality. But, you know, the panel was really about what do people need to think about? We touched on intellectual property. If you actually need the rights from someone else, get them. Talk mm. to people like me, the your friendly tech transfer office. Don't don't kind of think that we're horrible. We're here mm. to do a deal too because then we've got impact through our research. So get the intellectual property rights. Think of your brand. We also talked a lot about well-being. You know, you start up, you could work 24 hours a day. It's not going to get you very far. You've got to actually have life balance and well-being. So they were a lot of things that we talked about this morning. Yeah, that, that point around well-being definitely came up and life balance is, is really important. Back to the other point though, around, you know, pr protecting IP and building up that capability, particularly for the early stage founders or people kind of thinking about an idea. And I love how open you are to connect with us. How do you find resources? Like is that, is that the friendly, I, I've even forgotten the term, your, your friendly tech transfer office, is that what you said? Yeah. Commercialization offices yep. are generally called technology transfer office. Got you. So where we get the technology and we transfer it to whether, you know, the best person, we transfer yeah. it to the best person needed to turn it into reality, whether it's a company, whether it's an individual who wants to start a company, whether it's a researcher who wants to start a company within the university, pathways are very broad. Yeah. How do you learn more about this space and like that whole kind of process? About the technology transfer? Yeah. It's, it's actually, there's some courses that you can do now on entrepreneurship innovation. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, my career has been really just getting in the thick of it. Um, yeah, I've done then a master's of law. I'm a trademark attorney. I'm lucky enough to have studied at the Harvard Business School. It's really just understanding contracts, probably actually seeing crappy deals. Mm. And you go, whoa, not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So absolutely. it's real hands dive in the deep end. Got it. No, it's speaking my language for sure. And then, so were there any kind of key takeaways you took from this panel that you think would have really resonated with the attendees today? Sophie reminded us all about media training. Mm -hmm. I tipped my toe in media training and was lucky enough to, to have a session with Richard Moorcroft and you're probably too young to remember who he, he is. He used to be the, the anchor at ABC News Desk at ABC 7, 7 o'clock news for many, many years. The media training... It is, and, and you've got to remember to use it. Like yeah. media training is not just how to look at camera or, you know, if you divert your eye, you might be lying or something. Mm. It actually teaches you how to prepare for media. So predict the questions that people are going to ask you so that then you've got an answer. Yeah. Um, and that's really what you need, whether it's camera media, whether it's an investor, anyone you need to, so I really, I really thought that Sophie's reminder of media training was gold. Hi, I'm Maria. I'm a head of program at MedTech Actuator. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. I'm the program and community coordinator at MedTech Actuator. 
So we've put on a great gig here today. Tell us about this event. We've talked with some of the speakers already, but why do we put on this event? Right, so... This is our third one focused on female entrepreneurship in health, uh, and we felt like this is a great opportunity to champion and highlight some of the stories that you rarely hear uh, coming from female leaders in the industry, executives, CEOs, founders, but also maybe future founders and extend a, a helping hand to them saying it is quite possible to do what all these other women are doing. And the main reason is that we've been looking at our programs and applications and founders that are coming through our programs. And we see that as much as we try to keep 50-50 gender diversification across founders, we receive significantly fewer applications from females, especially in senior positions and senior researchers. And maybe this is a systemic issue across the industry because when we started looking at numbers, we can see that women represent only 14% of academics at senior level, 12% of engineers and workforce. And since 1994, the proportion of women starting businesses has only increased by 3%. And we also know from our founders and our portfolio that statistically it's a very unfavorable environment for women raising capital. Only 10% of women say they're confident in raising the next round of capital. And just we just hear stories of questions that they're being asked in the room by investors. And we want to highlight that part of the story as well and tell women that it's going to change or it is changing or what is it that we need to do to change the system. Yeah. And just to add to that as well, creating opportunity is really important. And so you can't be what you can't see. And we want to start tackling some of these issues that we are recognising are flowing from the system into our pipelines by creating more opportunities. So running events like we did today, are a fantastic way to do that and we'll be announcing more initiatives in this space as well. Looking forward to those. Uh, you mentioned one of the key takeaways that I took from this session about the you can't you can't be what you can't see. I, the, I feel like that resonated with quite a few people attending and also the point around looking after your well-being as a founder, particularly female founders as well. Any other key takeaways you took from all the sessions today that you think would resonate with others? Well, leading by design, what Michelle was talking about was quite inspirational. Um, she was asking questions about if you can do it, should you actually do it? Was there a benefit to patients? Um, and that you should be always asking yourself uh, questions of, will this benefit my users and my patients as much as will this benefit my business? And we had a lot of practical conversations about building your personal brand and uh, leverage and network and community. And a few speakers uh, listed some of the resources that are great for uh, for building your network in this space and learning from, from others on how to get mm. there and how to get where you want to be. I think one of my biggest takeaways for the day was authenticity mm-hmm. and finding a pathway that works for you. There's pathways within the startup ecosystem that a lot of people go down and there are structures in place that you can choose and they work for a lot of people and they work for a lot of different startup founders or people in the um, healthcare startup ecosystem. But what I saw today was a lot of different people finding their own way to communicate within the startup ecosystem, their own way to navigate some of the challenges that come with being a founder. Like Alice was amazing in that we really got to see who she was and she's really been able to take charge of what she's building and pave her own path in a way that works for her and makes her feel like she can manage her own well-being, she can make impact, create value for people and then also live her life in a way that really fulfills her. So I think authenticity in what we're building, whether that's a personal brand or a startup, really shone through for me today. 
Thank you to Maria, Mackenzie, Buzz, and the team from MedTech Actuator for having me at this awesome event, and to all the speakers who took some time out to record the conversations for this episode. Also, thank you for listening through. Always open to feedback and suggestions for future episodes and what you want to hear as well. What should you do if you want to learn more about MedTech Actuator? For anyone out there who might want to learn about MedTech Actuator programs, like please reach out to Maria and I on LinkedIn or you can get in touch via our website and we run a lot of different programs that are open to not only just female founders but founders from every background. And so if you are in a place where you're looking to get into the ecosystem or you're not sure where to start, like reach out to us. We're always happy to help people and there's a place for everyone in this ecosystem. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.